Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Shalom, shalom. Welcome to Israel Unplugged. Uh, this is Rabbi Moshe Lichtman, and I'm here with our main host, Josh Wander. Uh, he is on location at the Shimon Hatzadik um, community, whatever you want to call it, uh, where a lot of things are going on, which he's going to explain to us a little bit uh, later in the show. Um, just to remind you all, this show is where we talk about the importance of coming back to the land of Israel. It is uh, where we talk about the uh, ongoing, unfolding geula, the redemption that the Jewish people are undergoing, which unfortunately many of our brethren do not see. Um, and we try to make it very clear that this is what's happening. And uh, we are, we'd be more than happy to hear from you. We said it last time, whether you want to agree with us, whether you want to argue with us, please, please call in. The phone numbers are on the website, uh, both if you're outside of Israel or if you're in the, the Holy Land. We would love to hear from you. It's a live show, so you can call in. Um, also want to remind you that uh, both myself and Josh have websites that you should uh, you should take the time to to look at. My website has the various books that I've had the zuchut have the privilege of writing or translating. Most of them have to do with the importance of living in the land of Israel. Uh, the website is toratzion.com. That's one word, toratzion.com. Um, and Josh's website is, I'm going to get this wrong, right? Bring so, them. The easiest way to do it is it, it's time to leave.com. Just use it's, it's time to leave. Time com. to leave.com. Guess what? Guess what we're referring to is time to leave the galut, the exile. When God brings the redemption, he wants the Jewish people to take part in it. He want, he's doing it for a reason. Um, and not for us to ignore it. So, yeah, go to that website. You'll see some amazing, amazing videos from some very big rabbis and important uh, public figures who uh, are pleading that we should all get, get the message and come back to the land of Israel. Um, okay, so we'll be back very shortly. Please uh, make sure to stay tuned. And again, look for the, uh, the phone numbers on the website. How did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom! I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. And as I said in the introduction, um, our main host of this show, Josh Wander, is 
uh, on location in Shimon Hatzadik neighborhood. He is our reporter out in the field, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna update us with what's going on there. Shimon Hatzadik, for those of you who don't know, is also known in the in the world the world media as Sheikh Jarach. And he's going to explain exactly what's going on and, and what the whole story behind it is. Josh. Yes, thank you. Uh, this, this area actually pre, prior to 1948 was a Jewish community. And uh, there was an illegal Jordanian occupation of this area for 19 years between 1948 and 1967. And during those 19 years many Arabs squatted on the land. They took over the Jewish houses and they took over the Jewish apartments and they've been living here for the past 60 years uh, or so. They've been living here on this land uh, which they claim to be their own. Now in reality they never owned it and uh, they have no legal rights to it. So what is happening now slowly but surely is the process of going through the legal system, through the courts, is, uh, is paving the way for Jews to come back and relocate, to reclaim the Jewish properties that are here. Now, the Arabs, understanding that once the dominoes start to fall, um, they're all going to fall, and then they're going to realize, the courts are going to understand that all of this is Jewish, and they're all going to be eventually evicted. Understand that the only strategy they have to uh, get out of this situation, possibly, or to at least delay it, is in order to make as much political chaos as possible in order to try to delay the process. Now, the process is already moving forward. Unfortunately, there is a very hostile uh, community that lives here, and that hostile community has is uh, uh, constantly attacking the Jews that are living in this neighborhood. That's why I'm here amongst the many other Jews to help protect the Jews that are here. Uh, the, the, one of the, the, the residents here, the Jewish residents, has had his, I'm standing right in front of it as we speak, uh, his car firebombed nine different times, nine different cars he's gone through, and each time they have destroyed it, they have burnt it to the ground. And this past Shabbat, they actually threw Molotov cocktails into his house, uh, burning down his house. Thank God he and his and his family were not at home at uh, at the time. Uh, but there was an it was, it's the, there's no other words for it. It was an attempted murder uh, of this Jewish family here. So uh, I, I like to we try to keep this show first of all apolitical, and I believe this is not a political matter, but more of a legal one. Uh, but we also try to keep it upbeat and, and try to encourage Jews to come. So what is the connection between the Jews that are here, the courageous Jews that are here, uh, reclaiming their Jewish rights to this land, this, their capital in Yerushalayim, and Aliyah, and Jews that are that have coming from, uh, from abroad? I think that the, the connection is very clear, that, that Jews, the Jewish people are coming home. And one of the perks of Aliyah is not only that Jews should come and live in their homeland, of course, that is that is the primary reason they come here, but also they have an added advantage of removing the enemies, removing the residents. The idea of kibusha aretz, of conquering the land, is not only living here, but it's also removing our, our enemies from the land. And we are doing that. We are, we are doing that with our sweat and our blood. And, uh, and it's very encouraging to see a young generation of Jews that are that are involved on a regular basis 
in in uh, in conquering the land, in living in the land, and even when it's not comfortable, it's you have to get out of your comfort zone. Uh, it's not like living in uh, in uh, Toronto or L.A. or Borough Park. It, it's getting out of your comfort zone and going out into the into the uh, into sometimes even dangerous areas or sometimes in the fields. I have uh, we just were at a wedding the other week of uh, a chatan and a kala, a bride and a groom. They were both shepherds, Jewish shepherds coming back to the land. Uh, actually, someone gave them as a wedding pres- present a sheep uh, at the wedding. <laughs> the wedding was in a tent. And these are Jews that go out and they live in incredible conditions in the middle of fields because they, they understand that being in the field, being on the land, is making facts on the ground, as they say, is what is really making a difference. And that's the same thing that's happening here in our capital, in Jerusalem, fact, making facts on the ground, Jews coming back and claiming the land, doing it in a legal way, doing it in a peaceful way, but but making it clear that this is Jewish land and the Jews have to come back. Jews coming from around the world have this opportunity to not only be involved in the process of Aliyah, but also in removing the uh, the enemy inhabitants from the land. And I think it reminds me of once Rabbi Nachman Kahana said a very beautiful thing that he said when it came to the the 10 plagues. So the second of the 10 plagues is the plague of frogs. And the frogs, God told them that they had a mission. The frogs had to go into the houses of the Egyptians and they had to go into their houses, into their <clears throat> into their, uh, into their living rooms into their bedrooms into their ovens so he says that the frogs weren't told which frog had to go into the living room and which one had to go into the oven he just said that the frogs had to go into all these places so how did the frogs know which where where do which one should go where so each frog had the decision to make of where he should go some frogs said you know what i'm going to go into the living room in front of my big plasma screen and I'm going to watch the Super Bowl and I'm going to have a nice, comfortable, I'm drinking a nice, comfortable uh, Coke over here. <laughs> Some of the frogs said, you know what, I'm going to go into the bedroom. I'm going to go under the, the, the big, the puch, the big quilt. I'm going to make myself comfortable and have a nice fluff, a nice sleep. And some of the frogs said, you know what? God said that we have to go into the ovens. I'm going to do what God said. I'm going to jump into the ovens. And he says, you know what? The Jews around the world are the same way. There are different types of Jews in the world that support Israel. Some of them support Israel by sending out uh, a check to the to the JNF or you know to their different uh, different Zionist causes, and uh, they stay they're comfortable wherever they are in the exile, sending their checks, and that's how they support Israel. There are other Jews that go a step further, and they come and visit Israel. They come to the five star hotel in Tel Aviv, and they have a good time on the beach. And there are some that are willing to even go further and do more. They're willing to go to Jerusalem. They're willing to go to the the Judea and Samaria. And then there are those that are willing to make the ultimate sacrifice, so to say. And they're willing to come here. They're willing to make Aliyah. They're willing to send their children to the IDF to fight for their country. Those are the really courageous ones. Those are the frogs, so to say, that are willing to do the ultimate sacrifice for their people and for their land. Yes, and I, I want to make it clear that, you know, it doesn't mean that we're not saying that every single Jew has to come and live in Shimon HaTzadik or Sheikh Jarrah and kick out the Arabs uh, who are who are there. 
that's you know that's for some people and some people have the have the wherewithal to do that have the strength to do that but every single jew that comes back to the land of israel is one more brick in the in the ultimate building of jewish sovereignty in the land of israel because the more jews that are here the more our enemies understand that they're not going to be able to conquer us, that, that, that we're here to stay, and we're not going anywhere. And yes, it doesn't even matter. You want to live in Beit Shemesh, live in Beit Shemesh. You want to live in Tel Aviv, anywhere, anywhere. You don't like being in places where there's this friction between the Arabs and, and the Jews. That's fine also. We need people like that also, because if there weren't people like that, so then the Arabs would try to uh, infringe in those areas and try to take over those areas. So every Jew who comes on Aliyah is is fulfilling to a certain degree the mitzvah of, obviously, Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, settling in the land of Israel, but also the mitzvah of Kibush Eretz that Josh mentioned, conquering the land. Even though you don't, you don't even go to the IDF, you don't even uh, become a soldier in the army. Uh, you know, we hope you do. It's a big mitzvah to do that too. But, you know, just putting your yourself and your family uh, in in the land of Israel, and and you know that's one more house being built for another Jew be living here. That's also one less house or one less place for for uh, the enemies of Israel. Um, you know we do have a concept of a ger toshav of, of of certain you know non-Jews who who do stay with us in the land, but those are the ones who who recognize our sovereignty and recognize uh, the uniqueness of the Jewish people, but not the ones who are trying to kill us. They are our enemies, and those those people have to be shown, you know, what what it is what it is to be a true Jew and to be proud to be a Jew and to be strong and to fight against them. And again, one of the ways to fight is to just come, just come and move here. Uh, you know, jo Josh, take over for a second because I want to look uh, for something that, yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree with you 100%, like I said, and that's not, not to say that one frog was doing something better than another frog, as in the analogy that we just used, each one has their place and their position. We appreciate all the support we get. We, get, we appreciate the support we get from abroad. We appreciate the people that come here. But there are those people with the fortitude uh, to f do more, and one should always in life strive to do more. Whether in, in, with, that's as Jews, that's what we do. We try to do as much as we can to sacrifice as much as we can for the ultimate goal of bringing God back into this world, and uh, and making the and correcting the world, making it into the place that it's supposed to be, uh, bringing the final redemption, and that's what we're doing here. We are here on the ground, bringing the the final redemption. We're watching the rebuilding of Jerusalem. It is so beautiful to see. Sometimes it's a little difficult, but we're willing to go through those struggles in order to make it happen. And we're so happy that we are merited to be here at this special place, at this special time. We'll be right yes. back. Yeah, we'll be right back.
You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany is but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel. Phantom Nation, every Monday. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. Um, so we were discussing what's going on in Sheikh Jarrah, Shimon Atzadik, and um, we were talking about how, uh, in reality, every Jew who comes to live in the land of Israel is really fighting this battle and and is, to a small degree at least, uh, fulfilling the mitzvah, the commandment of conquering the land of Israel by just settling here, by just having more bodies, more Jews here in Israel, that's that's the way we're going to win the war. So I remembered something that happened many, many years ago, 20, 21 years ago. There was this terrible, um, it was during the, the time when there were all these terrible um, uh, terrorist attacks, and there was one that was specifically bad, um, where 21 people were killed in a discotheque in Tel Aviv, and most of them were Russian olim, people who had only recently you know, in the 1990s, that's when the Jews from Russia came, uh, you know, the, the, the Iron Gates were opened and close to a million, if not a, uh, more than a million Jews um, made Aliyah, moved to Israel. And that's why we have uh, so many Jews of Russian descent here in, in the land of Israel, in the, in the state of Israel. So I heard a, an interview at that time on the radio that was discussing the the terrorist attack in Tel Aviv. The interviewee was asked if he, I mean, the person who was being interviewed, was asked if he thought the Arabs purposely targeted new immigrants from Russia. His answer was eye-opening. He claimed that the Arabs' ultimate plan has always been to overcome us by outnumbering us. With our birth rate at approximately 3.4 children per family and theirs at around eight, which, by the way, I don't think is true anymore, uh, just as a side. But back in I wrote this in literally over 20 years ago. So at that time, they had a much higher uh, birth rate than we. So they would easily overcome the become the majority in the land in a few decades. Right. The Aliyah of close to a million Jews from the former USSR over the past 10 years, I wrote this in 20, 2000, so that means from 1990 till 2000, over a million Jews came to, back to the land of Israel. So that put a bit of a damper on their plans. Therefore, they want to discourage further Aliyah from Russia, which is why they targeted, at least this person said on the radio, that's why he thinks they targeted specifically a, a, a Russian uh, community. And that's exactly what we're trying to say, that the way to, to defeat our enemies is to specifically is by coming, just not being afraid of things that are happening, not being discouraged but understanding that this is the call of the hour. This is what God wants from us. He is making all these things happen, and he wants us to show our misirut nefesh, our willingness to sacrifice ourselves to be able to 
reconquer the land of Israel, which is, we've said this many times, one of the seven mitzvot that are equal to all the mitzvot in the Torah. You cannot deny, you cannot say that this is not an important thing in God's Torah when the rabbis tell us only about seven things that they're equal to all the rest. So this is one of them. And you know what? This is the easiest time in history to fulfill that mitzvah because, again, it's, yes, there are people who do go to the army and it's you know, this difficult, but it means just you know, sell your house in Muncie or uh, Lakewood or wherever else there you are in, in in the diaspora, and buy a house in Israel and live comfortably in Israel. It's a time when when Jews can live comfortably here. You know what? Thirty years ago, it might not have been so easy. Forty years ago, for sure, it was not so easy to live here. Now, there's no excuse. There's just simply no excuse anymore. It's, I think, just a lack of historical uh, perspective and understanding what's going on here that there are people who still uh, are staying outside and they're not willing to make that little sacrifice to come and live and fight the battle by, by just being another body, by just being another Jew in the land of Israel. The more of us there are, the less of them there will be. Josh, you with us? Absolutely. I, I, I think that uh, you are right on target. And uh, again, this is not this is not political here. This is a question right. of uh, you know people wherever they want to move to. And and like uh, Rabbi Lichtman said, even if you move to the the center of Tel Aviv, um, you are also uh, and and it's it's unfortunate um, or or the, the reality is that the Arabs look at us as settlers regardless of where we are if we're in the middle of tel aviv or if we're in a settlement somewhere in the judean samaria if we're in our in our capital city in jerusalem we're all considered to be uh uh settlers that are that are stealing the land by the arab narrative which is unfortunate um but we know the and truth simply not true <laughs> we know the truth we know that that we're coming back to our land we are a people that uh, an ancient people with much fortitude and uh, at this point, there is not the half of the Jewish people already home. I just told somebody that we're, we're doing much better than we did in Egypt. In Egypt, only 20 percent of the Jews made it out of Egypt. Here we're at, at 50 percent. So we're, we're, we're much better off than we were in the times of the uh, exodus. And uh, we are going strong. The Jews are coming back. Whole neighborhoods are coming back. Last week, we interviewed someone who's from Lakewood that's bringing a whole community back. We interviewed a couple weeks ago some a rabbi from uh, outside of Philadelphia, that is bringing community back. Uh, communities it, at, at one time, I don't think that I don't think this has ever been seen before. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know that uh, Rabbi Riskin came to Efrat with some of his congregants, right. but in, I don't remember ever seeing entire communities expressing interest in returning and making Aliyah in mass. And I think that that's what we're seeing today uh, for the first time. And I'm, I, it, it's incredible to be living, like I said, in such an incredible time. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's, it reminds me of something else that uh, I think I've probably said many times here. But uh, Rabbi Shalom Gold, one of the great, uh, I think he, you have a you have a video of his right on your uh, sure, absolutely. You're right, uh, bring them home or powerhouse. it's time to leave, right? It's time to leave. I've gotten dot com. So uh, he has he 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 said at the time of uh, of the Oslo Accords. So somebody said to him, somebody from the diaspora said to him, Rabbi, what's your government doing? Why are they giving away all that land? And he said, very simple, half the land to half the nation. God gave us the land of Israel and he gave us 
it after the six day uh, during the six day war, correct? And he expected us to say, "Wow, we have to come and we have to make Aliyah immediately." But unfortunately, many many Jews didn't, and the majority didn't, and 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 therefore, you know, God is very patient. And he waited and waited and waited. But after a while, he said, okay, I guess you just don't want my gift. And therefore, I'll just I'll give it back. <laughs> half the land for half the nation. The more Jews that come, the more of the land that we're going to get. And and I wanted to also p- point out something else that uh, that you just said, Josh. You said about, you know, for 50%, we're doing better than in Egypt. I, I have to disagree because, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me what I'm about to say, that, um, you know, I, I was talking to someone yesterday, maybe we'll have some time, we'll talk a little bit about this conversation I had, but somebody who unfortunately uh, very desperately wants to be here, but his family doesn't, um, and one of the things we were talking about was as intermarriage, like, and unfortunately one of his, one of his daughters is, is dating a non-Jew, and so we're not really half the Jewish people. We have lost so many souls over this galut, over this terrible exile, and specifically in the exile, in the, in the comfortable exile of America. The, I said to him something like, you know, right, and I heard that um, that the intermarriage rate is something in, in the vicinity of 60, 70 percent. He said, no way. He said, it's 80, 90 percent. He said, so many Jews are marrying out. We're losing, we're losing Jews. We have to somehow wake them up and get them back here. So, so yeah, half the Jews who are currently Jews may be living in Israel, but there should be a lot more Jews. And unfortunately, they are, uh, they are assimilating and uh, forgetting about their Judaism. I said, you know, if, if you just be, would be in Israel, so your daughter might not, you know, marry the most religious guy, um, but at least she'd probably be marrying a Jew. But now that uh, you're in, uh, you're you're outside the land of Israel. She's she's going out and living with a, a non-Jew, and it's just such a sad thing. So, that brings uh, us to the to the to the letter, the letter that was just uh, produced by the chief rabbi of Israel, um, Sephardic uh, chief, Sephardic chief rabbi, the Rishon LeZion, that uh, makes a plea specifically to the Jews that are right now stuck in the Ukraine, not stuck, but that are in the Ukraine and have an opportunity to leave, and uh, and Jews around the world that it is time to get up immediately and to move to Israel. And I think that, uh, if I, as far as I can remember, I don't remember there being such a straightforward uh, plea to Jews in the exile, maybe since the times of Ezra. Uh, I can't remember so a, a chief rabbi getting up and saying all Jews should get up and move immediately. Um, and uh, I, I, maybe I should quote it. I don't know if you have sure. it, but I, I want to quote the last paragraph. Because, again, the first three paragraphs are talking about the Jews in Ukraine. However many Jews are there, I, I don't even actually know. But, um, you know, he says, and even, I'm going to try to translate while I'm reading. And nonetheless, there is a holy obligation upon every Jew, every God-fearing Jew in all of the lands of the diaspora. Forget about Ukraine. Not only Ukraine. Don't think this letter is only for you Jews who are in the Ukraine. This is a letter. This is a plea for all Jews, especially God-fearing Jews, because God-fearing Jews are the ones who should know better. They should understand that this is what God wants. To do what? To do as much as they can to come and to quickly make their steps, bring their steps towards the Holy Land and make Aliyah as soon as possible to the, to the Holy Land. 
So, you know, we really hope uh, uh, people listen to this and uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes to, uh, to continue this discussion. Please don't go anywhere. Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged, and uh, things are heating up there in uh, Shimon HaTzadik, Sheikh Jarach, and uh, again, you know, everyone should do what they can. Uh, Josh, uh, our host, is uh, doing what he can by being there and trying to protect the Jews, um, but every Jew in the world could do what, what he can. Uh, at this moment and can plan for the future to try to make sure that things like this don't happen anymore, that there's just simply nowhere, nowhere for anybody who is not Jewish to be because simply, except for those who are, who are our friends and are friendly and uh, you know, we'll find, we'll find place for them to be. Um, but the enemies of Israel can't live amongst us. They, 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 there's no way that they're going to make peace with us. They just want us dead, unfortunately. Um, so you know what, this whole um, this whole issue of the land of Israel has become such a big global issue in the last hundred some odd years, and we have to understand that it all starts in uh, in the Torah. It's all based on the Torah. Um, in this week's parsha, we have a, a verse that says that. Uh, that Hashem says, let me just get the Pasuk, um, go, Hashem says to, to Avra, to, I'm sorry, to Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, go and I want you to lead the, the nation that you brought out of Mitzrayim to El Haaretz, Hashanishbati, the land that I swore to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, saying that I will give it to your, your, your children. So God promised our forefathers, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, that the land belongs to us. There, this was thousands of years before there was any other, uh, you know, anybody else in this land. Um, you know, certainly people who live today, they, they, they have no claims on, on our land. This is the land of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, um, and it belongs to us. So, this, the Me'am Lo'ez, who is one of the uh, great commentators, um, writes that, you know, where do we ever see that God swore, promised that he's going to give the land to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov? Maybe by Avram you have such a language, but by Yitzchak and Yaakov it's less so. So he points out, he says, he didn't use a specific language of, I swear, but he simply repeated it so many times. And when God repeats something several times, it's like an oath. 
And that's why he says that. And he says it again. God himself said in this passage that I just quoted for you that go and bring the people to the land that I swore to Avram and Yaakov. Where did he swear? So I'm going to quote for you from some, some verses. By Avram it says, the Lord appeared to Avram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. Somewhere else a little later it says, for all the land that you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. Now, of course, at that point you could say, okay, you know, the descendants of Avram include Yishmael, include the Arab nations also. Yeah, but the problem is that it also, he also promised it to Yitzchak and Yaakov, which means that it goes from Avram to Yitzchak to Yaakov. Avram's main son, main descendant was Yitzchak. Um, so it also says, a little bit after that, it says, again to Avram, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Avram, saying to you, to your descendants, I have given this land. You understand it? It says, way before the, the Jews ever entered the land as a nation, it says, I am making a covenant to your descendants, I have given this land. Because when God says something, it's as if it already happened. So even though it was hundreds of years before he actually brought us into the land, he said, I have given it to them. Because once I say I've given it, I have given it. Um, Yitzchak. It says to Yitzchak, God said to Yitzchak, to you and to your descendants, right, specifically Yitzchak's descendants, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Avram your father. Ah, you see? Even though he never, God never actually used a language of oath, of swearing to Avram. But he said to Yitzchak, the land that I swore, the oath that I swore to Avram, your father. Because by the fact that he repeated it so many times, it's like an oath. And finally, when it, came, when it comes to Yaakov, it says, the land which uh, God said to Yaakov, the land upon which you are lying, I will give it to you and to your descendants. And elsewhere it says, the land that I gave to Avram and Yitzchak, I will give it to you. And I will give the land to your descendants after you. Again, not to Yishmael's and not to Esav's, not to any other descendants of Avraham, but only specifically to the descendants of Yaakov. That means the 12 tribes, the people of Israel of today. We are the recipients of that great oath that God made to the Jewish people, and we are living at a time where we see the fulfillment of this once again. It's unbelievable, and it's even more unbelievable that there are people who don't see it. People who don't realize that God, the, the establishment of the state of Israel, the return of Jews to Eretz Israel in the last 150 years, is a fulfillment of this promise, this oath that God said that forever the land is going to be yours and, and the descendants of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And that is what I've always quoted from the Vilna Gon, that he says that on the verse, that Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. He explains that in the times of the redemption, the redemption is going to be happening all around us, and people are going to be oblivious to it. We are actually living in redemptive times. We're living in the redemption. We're watching it unfold. These, these prophecies unfold before our eyes. And most people, many people even here in Israel, let alone in, in the exile, are completely oblivious to what's going on. So we're so fortunate, like I said, to live in such a and time. And not only that, so you've mentioned already many times uh, the idea of the prayers that we say three times a day, that we should see with our eyes 
meaning not just that we should see with our eyes it unfolding, but we should understand, we should realize what we're seeing. We should we should realize that we're seeing the redemption unfolding before our eyes because it's two steps. One step is seeing the news, knowing what's happening, and then there's the seeing the redemptive process inside of what's happening in the current events that are happening in our day. Again, we are fortunate. We are a generation in which we just don't understand the context of what we're living. I always mention that there were 42,360 Jews that returned from the exile of Babylon to come to Israel and rebuild the Second Temple. On an average day in non-corona times, the Ben-Gurion airport, the main airport here in Israel, facilitates 50,000 people. On a peak day, it's 100,000. That means in one day, we're able to bring back more Jews than the entire return of the exile of Babylon. This is amazing, again, just to realize the context of which what we're living in. Right, and and there are a few reasons why people don't see it. Some, um, really, really, I think deep down do see it, but um, you know they they are they it's it's too difficult for them, and they 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 sort of talk themselves out of it, or or you know give excuses so that they don't have to leave the comforts of the exile that they're living in. Um, but then there are some people who have just been totally, you know. Totally brainwashed. You know, you always quote Rav, uh, Rav Nachman Kahana. So uh, I remember, you know, he once said, um, he said, you know, we were robbed. You know, our rabbeim, our teachers, because he grew up in uh, in Brooklyn, and he says our teachers just never taught us this. Like they just sort of skipped it, skipped over it. They they, they taught us things in, in in such a way that. And, you know, Josh, I don't know if you want to share with us, but, you know, you were telling me off air about this uh, certain person who you you uh, brought on a tour and how they were just like so oblivious. There was a religious person and how they were just so oblivious. And it's because they've been brainwashed for such a long time that that, you know, the, the state of Israel, the land of Israel is not is not yet, you know, we're not yet in the days of Mashiach, the Messianic era. And therefore, when you try to say something, you know, positive and something redemptive, they're like, you oh, know, no way. That's not, that's not that doesn't mean that. That's absolutely- I'm not even sure that it goes to, 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 to being redemptive. You know, when you when you talk about specific verses, uh, what is known as Pashat Pshat, when you're talking about the, the actual, the, the, the clear definition the basic definition of what the verses mean, then you're then and you speak about a verse that I that I quoted that we have a commandment to rebuild the temple, and someone argues with me and says that when it says to rebuild the temple, it doesn't actually mean to rebuild the temple. It means something else because it can't actually mean that we're supposed to come back to Israel and rebuild the temple. That is something which is just so hard for so many Jews that have been like you said brainwashed in the exile to grasp, and it's something that we are here to in, try to inform and educate these Jews, the people listening to our show. We try to, and, and they are, should be ambassadors to other people to go out and to speak to others in order to explain to them. It, it, I've heard it many times that there have been non-Jews, and I'm sure there are many non-Jews that are li- listening to the show. There are non-Jews that go to Jews and explain to them, you know, you're living in the redemption. You're, li- you're watching the, these prophecies come true, and they, they, Jews don't get it. It says, "As Yamruva going, eventually it'll, it'll, it'll be the, the non-Jews which will have to push the Jews to understand. They'll get it first, right. and many, many maybe, non-Jews get it. Many Jews right, don't. Maybe that's the that's the prophecy. I, I'm very bad at uh, Nach, so I don't remember where it is. But there's a famous prophecy that the the non-Jews will come and grab a Jew and say, yeah, let me take you.'" Let me take you back to Israel.' Like that's probably what it means. That you're going to need 
non-Jews to to tell the the even the religious Jews like don't you realize what's happening? Because the religious Jews have been so you know taught that this can't be this can't possibly be the way the redemption is going to happen. So you're going to need a non-Jew to come and tell him that you know no this is this is it. You have to wake up and 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 thank God what we've been seeing. You know, Josh, you've been having a lot of great guests on from the from the very religious community who are seeing this, who are recognizing it, and there is hope. There is hope, and we really, really hope and pray that the uh, the Jewish community throughout the world, especially the religious community, will get the the, the message, and we will uh, continue with this next week. So please be back. Next week, same time, same channel. See you again next week. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candlelighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 